You're listening to Touch the Line Podcast. Touch the Line Podcast. Focused on leadership, culture, and building a team. Here's your host, Evan Silver. All right. So today on the show, this is actually our first podcast episode. So I have one of my favorite people in the entire world. This person to me um, is everything. This person to me is the most beautiful human being. And if you're listening, yes, it is my wife, Erin Silver. Thanks so much for joining the first Touch the Line podcast. Yes, thank you for having me. This is so fun. So this is going to be fun. We're this is going to be more geared toward entrepreneurs, uh, salon owners, small business owners, um, and so we just want to get to know you a little bit. And because you, when you started over eight years ago, it was just you doing everything. Now I was around. I was in the picture, um, but when we first started out, I was actually on tour as a tour manager. And so, um, I would love for you to tell everyone your story of like, what was it like? Did you, is this something that you want to do when you were young or is this something like last, you know, at the last minute you're like this, I'm going to do cosmetology and ran with it. What did it look like? So, um, kind of how it started was I grew up and I played with Barbie dolls and all different kinds of American Girl dolls, and I always ended up cutting their hair. My mom would never buy me the legit American Girl dolls. They were always like the the knockoff brands because she knew that I would cut their hair off. So um, that's kind of how that started, and I always enjoyed doing makeup and um, hair. Uh, kind of a fun fact is I actually did not grow up going to a hair salon. I grew up getting my hair cut Uh, by a family friend in her kitchen. So it wasn't like I had the salon experience per se. Hang on, let me pause you right there. I don't think I ever knew that. Yeah, yeah. So when was the first time you went to a salon? Um, I was in high school, probably. Um, And I remember uh, wanting to get my hair done in a salon. And my mom said, well, you know, I've been paying $10 for you to get your hair cut with our family friend. So I'll pitch in the $10. And if you want to go get your hair done in a regular salon, you can pay the difference. Do you remember so, what that different, like how much was it? Do I think the haircut, I was seeing a guy named Brian at Wilson's in Greenville and it was $35 to get my hair cut. And that was very expensive in the, I guess early two thousands, mid seventies. No, the early two thousands. Awesome. That I I had no clue. Yep. Well, so um, I ended up going to hair school while I was in high school. We had a vocational school. Uh, basically, you get the same education as you do in a private school, like Paul Mitchell or Kenneth Schuler or um, whatever. And so um, I graduated. I was doing hair at seventeen. Um, I worked at a salon for the first seven years of my career. Um, I started out working under the owner while attending Anderson University, got my business degree during that time frame, and then opened our salon in 2012. And you're correct. There was just one person there. I was, um, I remember, I remember being in a, you know, a 1300 square foot space and it was wide open. We definitely did not, we were not an eight chair salon when we opened just four chairs. 
but I had no coworkers. So my guests would come in and I'm like, hey guys. And it was just me in the middle of a salon, an empty salon. Um, and so we just began to grow our team slowly. And um, I was trying to do all of that while working behind the chair as well. So Awesome. So let's go back. You said you went to a vocational school, which is like Career Technology Center. How much how much is that compared to going to a cosmetology school out of high school? So the vocational school, it was kind of like, um, you know, you could go there for mechanics or to get your CNA license. And it was all, you know, sophomore, junior and seniors in high school. And I think all in maybe $2,000 compared to going to Paul Mitchell, which is what, $20,000? Yeah, roundabout. Yeah. So, I mean, a significant savings and. All right. So being on eight years ago, being on this side, what are some things, first off, you don't know any of these questions. I'm letting you know. I, I don't. <laughs> what are some things that you didn't see coming? Like you didn't really, you didn't know until now being on this side. Um, well, I definitely did not see COVID-19 coming for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, if you did, um, that would be a conspiracy. <laughs> um, but um, I mean, I guess I had this unrealistic expectation that, you know, you open a business and the people will come. Um, and I did not realize the amount of work and the effort and the time that opening a business would come with. And that was just kind of the initial phase. And then I did not realize, you know, that the larger that your company got, the more regulations they required and the more this and the more that. And, you know, I mean, it's just a lot of, a lot more that went into it than maybe I realized. Um, so a lot of paperwork. Yeah. A lot of paperwork. What's one thing that looking back or maybe one of your responsibilities you have now that you, it's the least enjoyable. The least enjoyable. Oh man. Cause you love some paperwork and book work. You love that. You thrive off that. I do. Um, Honestly, the least enjoyable part, and I don't know if this is going to make sense, but I don't like when things pile up. So the least enjoyable part would be, I guess, when, you know, other things take precedence and book work gets behind and I'm having to spend, you know, instead of two hours on it, I'm spending four or, um, I mean, things that you really, you can't really help things happen, but I definitely would say, that would be the least enjoyable. I still work behind the chair. I still enjoy that. Um, and I do enjoy the book work side of things. So I don't know if that will change in the future. Well, you let's talk about that. So you don't like things piling up. You always like to get ahead, which is great. Um, you've changed your schedule recently. What are some yeah. things you're doing to your schedule? So you have this dream of being this cosmetologist and being this hairstylist. And now, um, that dream's kind of shifted. Now you're taking time away from behind the chair mm -hmm. to work on the business. You know, talk about that. When did that shift really start? Um, within the last year or two, um, my schedule went from about 40 hours a week behind the chair to probably 32. 
And now I'm down to 24 hours behind the chair a week, which is kind of crazy. Um, and it may be um, even less than that once we go back um, after all the COVID-19 stuff happens. Um, but currently I'm about, um, you know, I would say 18 to 24 hours a week behind the chair. Um, what I've been doing in the meantime or kind of how my journey to that is I've just dropped one day at a time. And with Evan coming on board, he, of course, has helped me along the way. But um, it has just also opened up opportunities for me to lead our staff um, and giving me a little bit more freedom to do that. So my first transition was actually to drop Fridays. That's when we do all of our one-on-ones. That's when we do our team meetings. Um, It's the day that everybody's in the salon at the same time. So that's kind of the rationale behind that. Um, And my second transition, which is actually happening currently, is I'm dropping evenings. What? I know, I know. Um, Our daughter is about to be, or she's about to go to kindergarten. She just turned five. Um, And so that was kind of, um, you know, a, a part of the plan, I guess, was we wanted to be available Um, to pick her up from school and to do activities and all of that stuff. So um, we've made that transition. And when we go back, I'm no longer working evenings. So that's exciting. Yeah, it is exciting. I'm excited about it for sure. So you had this dream of being this hairstylist. And in the past year, that dream has kind of shifted. It's almost like it, it was all you mindset. And now we are building a team and now that mindset's for the team for you stepping back is actually helping the team. One of the reasons you stepped back was, um, we were running out of chairs on Fridays when everyone was there. So you're like, Hey, let me drop a Friday, get one of our newer, um, service providers out on the floor. So I love that heart. And, um, that's, really what we base our company off of is a team mentality. What's best for the team. So take me to when you're behind the chair and you're a business owner, commission stylist. So you're responsible for everyone in that building. What was it like, especially before I was there, what was it like? What does your day look like? Because you have a, like, I do this full-time now. You do this thing full-time now. Well, before I wasn't in the picture, before I came on full-time. So what did your day look like? What are some of the struggles? Or is there, looking back, are there some things that were kind of better about that experience? I mean, it definitely, um, I think probably the biggest struggle that I still kind of, deal with now coming, you know, even though I have you there to help is, um, kind of finding like my value in, in the day. Um, prior to you coming on board, I was responsible for everything. So from opening up the salon to closing the salon to team meetings and to, um, you know, one-on-ones, everything. And so I, I had to do it. And so with Evan, with you coming on board, it was, you know, you took on a lot of those tasks and it kind of freed up some time on my plate, essentially. So so be honest, I was coming on 
What was your first thoughts? Were you just like, oh, he's about to get a rude awakening or? Well, no, I was excited. I knew that you could bring value to our company. I knew that it was going to be a good thing for our family. Um, I remember we actually, I don't know if you remember this, but we talked to a salon in Chicago that they're mm-hmm. thinking about the same thing. Um, about bringing the husband on. And I'm like, hey, get ready because, you know, he's going to be doing things in your company that you have owned solely for the last however many years. And he's going to do it way better than you. And you've got to be okay with that. Okay, let's just be real right now. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a struggle that you really had. Yep. And I'm, I believe you still do have it. And um, what's great is communication is everything. Um, And you would communicate like, you know, you felt like your value dropped because I came in and started leading meetings. And when staff would start coming to me instead of you and you said, hey, I know this is a selfish thing. Um, But if you're listening to this and your spouse is on board, um, you know, it might be I'm sure it's happening and any small business, when there's partners, let's let's talk about that a little bit. Kind of, what was your mind frame around that? Other than I felt like I was not needed. I mean, like, again, that was kind of a lie that I was, you know, that was rolling around in my head at the time. I mean, it still kind of comes up a little bit every once in a while. Um, but, I mean, it... Work for me is, it's kind of second nature. Like my dad worked all the time and he really excelled at his job. And and the same thing for the company, like I built the salon and, you know, we have a lot of great teammates and a lot of great people on our team, but I felt a lot of pride in that. And so when I have my husband come alongside me and, um, you know, lead meetings way better than I ever could. There is kind of one side of me that is like, wow, that's awesome. You know, we have a great, we have great meetings. They're very valuable. They're organized well. He takes care of everything, prep work. And then, you know, the little side of me is also on the other side. And I'm over here like, man, I don't, I'm not needed anymore for these meetings. And so, I mean, it's kind of a catch 22. It's good. And then, you know, if you let yourself get in that, you know, not in a good headspace, it could kind of, you know, tackle you a little bit. Yeah, it can. And, um, you know, I'm not great at leading meetings. I think the main difference is I actually had the margin to prep. You didn't have the margin. I've been at home where before I worked at a church and you would come home and say, I've got a meeting in the morning. Will you help me prep? And yeah. I'm like, I've already like zoned out. Um, so I think it's just preparation. And, you know, when we talk to couples and they're thinking about bringing their spouse on, we have to tell the other spouse, hey, you need to be ready for everybody to love for them to praise the other person because they're going to come on and things are going to change. It's not because they're more awesome than you. It's that when I came on, I had more margin to tackle the things. Yeah. I remember one thing you had said, and I think about this all the time, but you use the analogy of, um, we only have so big of a table and, 
when you start, what did you say? You started putting marbles on it and like, you know, eight years in, or I guess six years in at the time, the marbles were just spilling off the table. And basically by you coming on board, um, you just put your table right beside mine. And now we have more space for the marbles to be on, which that just, I think, like I said, I think about that all the time and I try and remember that. Um, and I know our staff, you know, they, they, it's not that they love me any less or love you anymore, but, um, you know, it just has changed, you know? Yeah. And so one thing that I took on when I came on was the hiring recruiting. So I would go to the local schools and create these relationships and, um, we had the plan to hire and we doubled our staff and, you know, a year, year and a half. Yeah. Whenever I was in charge of hiring, I was working behind the chair full time and my, my amount of margin was essentially if someone wants to work there, they're going to seek our salon out. And I would return phone calls on Mondays. And so it might be a week before you heard back from your application being submitted but that was, I mean, that was the amount of margin I had. I didn't have any more. Um, and so when Evan, whenever Evan came on board, it was essentially him, you know, putting in the, the resources and the effort and building relationships with local schools, which was exactly what we needed in order to grow our company. So one thing I realized when we first started working is how much we really don't communicate on a personal level at work. I mean, this right here is the most we've communicated and the rawest we've been in like a couple of years. That is true. And so when I first came in, I came in, I didn't know anything. Um, I came in, my plan, this was my plan, was to be behind the desk in the office doing a 30,000 foot view, getting the vision, getting our core values, all that jazz, like just getting that in sync. And we, at the time, our front desk person was going into a different part of the industry. So we asked her, she was going to step off staff. We're like, Hey, can you wait till Evan gets here? And she was like, yeah. So she waited. And my first day I'm at the front desk and I don't know anything. I don't know anything about product. I don't know the difference between highlights and single processes and glazes. It was, it was pretty comical though, to see Evan because, you know, a guest would be checking out and the stylist would be at the computer and he would kind of just step back and observe. And you could just see, he was just taking it all in. And he's like, you could see him like making mental notes left and right. Just thinking, oh, that's called a half highlight and a glaze and an add on color and a, and a haircut, not a trim. He was just learning all the things, even how they were speaking about products. You could see he's just making mental note after mental note. Yeah. And the thing about it is back in, you know, when I graduated high school and not long after that, I played in the band full time for seven years. Um, I know that I, I, I was comfortable, um, and then after that, I came on to New Spring Church, and it was uncomfortable at times. 
But when I came to the salon, it was so uncomfortable. I was so out of my comfort zone. And I'm okay with that because when you're out of your comfort zone, you learn. Um, that's where you grow. And so um, I'm I'm still a sponge for this industry. I'm still a student and learning. Um, and so my first, I can't remember if it was the first or second day, but I came home, I sat down on the couch and I was like, babe, I am just so exhausted. And as soon as I said it, this grin came across her face. And I, I was that. I was like, ah, oh, like <laughs> she is loving this because I secretly was in such a like euphoric state when he said that because I was like, he gets it. So um, working with your spouse, um, I think communication is the biggest thing and you're never going to excel at communication. It's something you got to constantly work on. And when you think you're good at it, you got to keep working on it. Um, but I feel like when I feel sometimes it's either, or we're communicating really great at work, but when we come home, we might not communicate as well. And I feel like it's very few times where, or vice versa. I feel like it's very few times where we're clicking at home and on work on communication, um, and everybody always asks us like, Hey, how do you turn it off? And you really don't ever turn it off. You just, um, you got compartmentalize things. Um, and I love for you to speak on this, but when I come home, I just say, Hey, some things I need to tackle. Can I do this in the morning? And before quarantine, I was an early riser and I would get things done in the morning Um, My sleep schedule is jacked up. I'm staying up to like midnight, 1 a.m., sleeping to when our daughter wakes us up around 8.15, 8.30. And I'm like, who am I? And I feel like a freaking zombie. Um, But, you know, waking up in the morning, I can get things done. So that helps me relax at night with my family is knowing that in the morning I can tackle things before anyone gets up. But I would love to hear um, your thoughts on that. Like, what's it like? Can you turn it off or do you kind of compartmentalize or? So my personality, the best way that I've figured it out, I'm very much, um, which let me back up. We do the disc test at our salon and I am a DC, which means I like to do it now. And then all my decisions are based around like spreadsheets and facts and all of that. So for me, the best way for me to, I guess, turn it off is when I think of things, what my natural instinct would be to do would be just to do it. To So if a guest contacts me outside of work hours, I'm like, okay, well, let me just go ahead and take care of this right now, whether I'm with my kids or with my husband or laying in bed or whatever. But, um, but I know that that, I guess I've got to kind of put that boundary in place. Um, and so, um, the best way for me to kind of quote unquote, turn it off is if I have something that I think of in my head, then I just put it down on my to-do list, which is my reminders app on my phone. And so then I can, that is what I guess kind of helps me relax. Cause I know I've got it written down. And then when I get back in work mode, I can just look back at my list and, you know, get to it. That's awesome. Yeah, I think, um, like I said, it's nothing that you 
um, just turn off. And sorry, I'm looking for, I'm looking at the disc test. So the disc test, there's tons of, um, personality tests, but personality test um, that we use is disc test. The it's broke up into four groups. Uh, the first one is dominance. The D I is influence. S is steadiness and C is compliance. And what's great about it is like Erin's a D. So she's, she'll be fast paced. She's outspoken, but she can be questioning and skeptical. Um, and I'm I, all I, embarrassingly I, um, influence, I'm fast paced, fast paced and outspoken, um, and accepting and warm. So eyes are usually the life of the party. Um, but we can tend to, Hey, let's do this. Oh no, let's do this. So we can jump around and not stay focused. Um, S is your like steadiness. So they're cautious and reflective, um, accepting and warm. So, um, one of our front desk um, team, um, they are an S so they like steadiness. And so with me being the I, we're actually probably opposite. Cause I love change. So I know when I'm leading her, I know I just don't throw something on her. I know that, you know, let's, let me, let me, how about if we did this and let her plan and think about it. Um, and that's kind of interesting because, because before Evan came on board, we, they say whenever you own a business, you typically hire people that are like you. And so we had hired a team full of people that were cautious, but, you know, driven and, but didn't really love change and that sort of thing. Cause that's my natural state. Um, but because I own the business and I know, you know, that change is a necessity of our company. Like I'm okay with it. Um, and so it was just kind of funny because that is, we just had a team full of people that were, I wouldn't say resistant to change, but their natural instinct was not change. Right. And you know? I remember when I first came on, like I came in like guns blazing, like, Hey, let's move this, move this. Why is that picture off center? Let's do this, do this. And two things happened here when I did that. The first thing is you told me, you're like, Evan, I feel like when you come in and are changing all these things, it makes me feel like I've been doing things wrong this whole time. Mm -hmm. So that was very eye opening for me. And then the second thing you're like, Hey, Evan, um, not everyone here is like (laughs) you, like you have to give people time. And, um, I knew that I just needed to hear that to remind myself. And so going back to the disc test, the C is the compliance. And so they're cautious and reflective questioning and skeptical. They are your spreadsheet people. So, um, they, you know, they've always said, you know, if you buy a car, the D personality is going to walk in and say, Hey, I want that car. I want it now. I'm not going to take a dollar less or I'm walking the I personality, which is me. I will go, to the car lot, come home and Aaron will say, Hey, did you get the car? And I would say, Oh crap. No, but Jerry down at the car lot, did you know that he goes to the same vacation spot we do? I know everything. So I just forget about the car. Um, the S they're, they're thinking, do I really need a new car? My car's got 300,000 miles. I can probably get 50 more. I'm just going to keep this car and not worry about it. And then the C's are walking in with spreadsheets and they're going, 
I know exactly how much that car is and I'm not taking a penny less. And here's a spreadsheet to prove it. Here's Kelly blue book and all that. So disc test again, not sponsored or affiliated. Um, we do a free test online, but it helps us, um, especially with our associate program. It honestly, I think it helps us lead our people better, you know? Oh, absolutely. If I know, somebody's a D personality, they're just wanting the bullet point. They're wanting the facts and let them run with it. Um, if they're an I personality, they're still bullet point. Um, but, um, they can be detailed, but they're more bullet point and I'm gonna have to follow up with them to make sure that, Hey, like you got everything you need. Are we still on track? So it's really good to know. Thanks for listening to Touch the Line Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to this channel wherever you're listening.